Julian Edlow here for DraftKings. The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. Conference tournaments, Final Four, to win it all, you name it, it's all available on the DK Sportsbook app. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code ROSS. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code ROSS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort located in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 160 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1 to get a 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. He is Steve Fezzik at Fezzik Sports. He's the star of the show and the only two-time winner of the Super Bowl of professional football gambling, the Super Contest at the Westgate Casino I'm Ross Tucker, Steve Fezzik. I should probably say his name. Steve Fezzik. Hi, sorry, Steve. Steve Fezzik is his name, at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. And by the way, accept no imposters because there are imposters out there. At Fezzik Sports on Twitter is the key. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, journeyman, bunch of podcasts, Ross Tucker football podcast, had Andrew Brandt today. Greg Cosell on Friday, College Draft Podcast, went over the NFC North picks. Tomorrow, we're going to have the guru, John Hansen, join us on the Fantasy Feast Podcast. So, heck of a week for all the RT media shows. And uh, we appreciate it when you guys go ahead and rate and review our shows. It means quite a bit. It helps with our algorithm. More people discover us. More people see what we're doing. So if you get the opportunity, please rate and review the shows. It goes a long way. You can do it very quickly on your podcast app. So today's guest is a buddy of mine who I did several shows with during the NFL season, Steve, on Sundays. I would do a betting show for Radio.com, You Better You Bet Sunday edition with Nick Costos, who came on a week or two ago, as well as Danny Parkins, who is the afternoon drive guy on 670 to score in Chicago. Highly encourage you to check him out on Twitter, at Danny Parkins. So he's all over the Bears and the NFC North, but he's all over gambling as well, which makes him the perfect guest today. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Ross, I appreciate you pretending like you follow me on Twitter. Thank you uh, for the invitation. <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, well, so you know, this is a point of contention. No, I don't follow you on Twitter, but I'm aware that you're on Twitter, and I know your Twitter handle. You look, you're you're a Chicago radio host, which is a gigantic market. You kick some serious, but but like a lot of your tweets are Chicago. Like I I I just I don't care. That's fair, right? It, sure, it's fair. But I just like you're like I'm aware that he's on Twitter. Yeah, I I decided to do this really unconventional thing as a member <laughs> of the sports media and join Twitter. Um, so I, I I appreciate the plug. Uh, you just you just said it with this degree of familiarity. Uh, like you had any idea what I was tweeting about. So I, I appreciated it, and I just felt like the need to call you out just to, like, recapture the spirit of You Better You Bet. Hey, I, I am okay with it. I am fine with that. And I'm glad you brought that up, Danny, because, Steve, Danny is the number one non-believer that I'm aware of. Every week last year, I would go on this Sunday edition of You Better You Bet on the Radio.com app, and Danny refused to believe how well I did last season and, frankly, how well I've done overall since we started the show. Now, 2018 was not great for me, and I don't remember. I think 2017 was actually really good, too. Can't remember 2016 and 15. But Danny, Steve, does not understand or believe that I am the football betting superstar that I am. So can you please enlighten him as the only two-time winner of the Super Contest in the, at the Westgate Casino, the Super Bowl professional football gambling? Can you please enlighten Danny, Steve, with what I've done on this show over the years? Yeah, and we're working on the actual documentation, but um, we, I don't think any show has done as well as we have as far as picking winners. But as far as the bigger picture, uh, Danny is a, part of, a big part of the population that does not believe with good reason, and here's why. Everybody yeah. loses gambling. Hey, they wouldn't have those lights and those chandeliers if everyone didn't lose. And, and the feeling amongst the country is that, Gambling is impossible to win. A lot of people still feel that. And the best evidence I can give that it is certainly viable and that people do win, I bring this up all the time, all you need to do is call over to William Hill, one of the major books here in Las Vegas, ask them how many people they've kicked out of their sports book. 20 years ago, no one did this. Now the sharp sports bettors are very much like blackjack advantage players, card counters. People get kicked out all the time. I tell people, if you don't believe, come to Vegas. I can get you denied bets within half an hour of your arrival in Vegas. Do anyone want to take me up on it? Uh, after the con- country reopens, let me know. I absolutely will come to the window and they'll say, well, we can't take these bets. It's um, just a reality that advantage players do have the edge in sports betting and blackjack. Wait a minute. I feel like I am being, I'm being misrepresented here. I never once questioned uh, whether or not you have been a winning sports gambler. I questioned whether Ross Tucker, who, who said in like week eight that he was up 28 bulbous units with no documentation of these bets, 
I question whether or not Ross Tucker is being denied access uh, to betting at uh, the Westgate in Las Vegas uh, or fair, William Hill. Or fair fair enough. So Ross does have the Birdman who independently um, is tracking play. all of his results and his picks. So he's got an independent monitor. I'll say this. Ross is a diamond in the rough. He's still learning. Example, when Ross was actually doing a game, I believe, in Buffalo, when an unexpected snowstorm hit and there was like five inches of snow right before the game started, I'm still waiting for the text from him telling me to play the under, Danny. I don't know what happened. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then he dropped this dime on us one time uh, early on in the season when he said, you know, I think I've developed a system where if I think an underdog is going to win the game outright, I'm going to bet them. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Like, let me let me get a pen and paper and write that down. I felt like Jesse Eisenberg in the social network. Like, hold on. I'm just checking your math on that. Yep. I get the same. Yeah. Just so, cutting edge okay. technology here on our pod. Yes. So I, I, I need to jump in here. OK, this is amazing. But so so first of all, Steve, you have to admit most of my bets that win are underdogs that like I, I mean so Danny if you, I, I mean Steve if I do a hundred bets how many of them do you think I'm getting the points 80 80 out of yeah, 100 I would, probably I, I, I would have said uh, right around three quarters yes like I take the points a lot I, I think honestly Danny my my best strength so far has been I have a pretty decent feel for when underdogs are going to win. Now, look, I think I was in the red uh, in 2018. It's not like I'm like, you know, let's put it this way. I'm not about to do what uh, Fezzik did and quit all my jobs and drive out to Vegas and do this as like my full-time job. I'm not going to do that. But I had a very good year last year, and I had a very good 2017. And we actually have our guy that grades us, Danny, um, he's working on it, Steve. He is going to go back the history of the show. He really only needs to remember the spreadsheet from the last show of each year that says what we were for the NFL season each year, and I think it'll end up being a, a, a really healthy number. But I want to go back to something you said, Steve, that I'm confused on. So first of all, how is it legal for the sports books to not take your bets or the bets of other sharps. Like, how is that even legal? You're not card counting. You're placing a bet. It's in many ways exactly the same thing, that if you, if you have a casino, you have the right to deny anyone, as long, as long as you don't violate any state, local rules for, say, you don't like tall people or short people, um, you don't have to take um, – you don't have to allow any select person to play with you that you don't want them to play. Um, and it really blackjack players, card counters have an advantage. And so do advantage sports betters. Now the big difference is that if you tell Steve Fezzik, he can't play in your sports book. Hey, it's easy enough for me to like, you know what? I got friends. 
I, I'll show there's no hard feelings, and I'll just recommend every single one of them descend upon you and make bets like that. So it's not like a blackjack player can just send another card counter in um, and, and do it for him and make identical plays. So that is a big differentiation. So then what do you do? Like how many do you get denied from? How many do you not get denied from? Well, it's a cat and mouse game. So essentially what the sharp books do is they just don't extend any kind of large limits to me. And they say, I'll give an example. The win is super friendly to me, but they give me lower limits. But they'll never deny me. They let me bet it. But when the normal limit on a bet might be $1,000, they'll say, yeah, you can have 500 on that. And eh, I'm betting for myself. I'm not betting for a syndicate. And it's enough to have me keep betting at the win, and they get information on what I'm playing. So that really is the... Uh, it's optimal maybe for both players because they're getting information and what good would it do them to tell me, hey, you can't play at all. And I'll be honest, I would just have a cohort wind up making wagers for me and be part of his team if that was the case. Yeah, like that seems like don't it's not worry, that hard worry, to Ross, get around. It's not going to happen to you anytime soon, buddy. <laughs> so, um, Danny, I want to start with with this, just sort of your – your feeling right now about um, what's going on with sports when you think that they'll come back, just kind of your, your read on things right now. So it's so complicated. And I think there's like the emotional and then there's the rational. And that's what we try to balance with like, how we deal with our family, how we deal with investing, how we deal with anything, right? How we deal with politics, how we do with analysis. Like everybody on the emotional side, we all want sports to come back. That's obvious. It would be good for morale. It would be good for business. It would be good for entertainment. It would be good for relationships. Like it'd be nice to have something to watch every night at seven o'clock central, right? Um, the rational side of this, when you follow any of these stories, is man, this is complicated. And when you see the UFC pull off an event, even with a positive test or two or three, you're like, oh, wow, that's really encouraging. But then you remember that all of the UFC fighters don't have to fly to the event in the same plane, or they don't all have to stay at the same hotel or be in the same locker room with their opponents. And the same thing with golf, right? So some of these sports can come back easier and easier and easier um, than others. But then when you look at something like Major League Baseball and you see this document that they're talking about and they're saying players can't Uber or take taxis to the stadium, they would recommend no spitting. They would recommend social distancing by sitting in the stands instead of the dugout uh, during games and that they wouldn't want the players to shower at the stadium afterwards. Like at some point, not even mentioning the CBA part of it, the players are going to be like, what are we doing here? Like this is, it's too many hoops to jump through when, as soon as I step into the batter's box, I'm within six feet of the catcher. And as soon as I get on first base and he's holding the runner, I'm within six feet of him. Like it just, with team sports, it becomes so much more complicated. And then that's not even to mention college football and college sports which to me i always thought was going to be the most complicated of this because 
how could you in good faith make the argument that a student athlete could play college football if it wasn't safe for students to go on campus? And while some campuses like Notre Dame the other day said they're going to move up the fall semester and open early, others are still saying that campuses might not open at all and that the fall semester might need to happen online. And so what do you do for travel? What do you do for out-of-conference games? What do you do when one state uh, allows kids on campus and another doesn't, public v. private? And if any of these colleges are going to make the argument that college students need to play football, but uh, women's soccer gets canceled or the biology students don't, don't need to be on campus, well, then how do you not make the argument that they are employees and you need to be paying them and compensating them? And so I just think that when one question gets answered, three more questions come up. What does seem to be happening is that they're going to try. And my guess is what happens, and this is just how I feel, you know, May 20th. My guess is July, August, September, we're going to have sports and then sports are going to get interrupted. Like that's that's my gut feeling on this is that there will be a a push to try. It will not be out of a nefarious motive. In some cases, it'll be profit motivated, but that's okay. That's what makes the world go round. We're a capitalistic country. There's nothing wrong with trying to make money. But the doctors seem to say there's going to be a second wave of this thing, and the doctors do not seem to be advising uh, as many of these lax protocols as are happening. So my guess is there will be a push to return to normalcy for political reasons, for monetary reasons, for morale reasons. We will backslide. And then there is going to be an interruption in live sports. That's my guess as to where we're going right now. But again, I, it's just it's an educated guess from reading, watching the news. We've had a director of infectious diseases from um, one of the hospitals here in uh, Cook County, Advocate Lutheran General Hospital, and Cook County has the number one, uh, the most number of COVID-19 cases of any county in the country. Chicago has been hit very hard by this. He's been on the show basically every week since this pandemic has started, Dr. Rob Citrenberg. So it's it's not, this isn't fear-mongering. This isn't rooting against sports. I, I'd like to think that it's based in some semblance of reality. Um, I don't love that answer, but that's how I'm feeling today. Wow, that's uh, that's really that's really interesting, Danny. And I, I guess my other question, you know, since this is a, a sports betting podcast, would be: What, if anything, have you been betting on? Like, have you been betting on? Have you started to bet on the Bundesliga or UFC <laughs> or some of these other things that are going on? You know, I, I, I bet UFC casually. Um, so that, if I'm watching the card, right, I got um, the, the Tony Ferguson fight, for example. Like, like the big, like I'm a pretty casual UFC fan, but I do really enjoy it. Um, I probably will do something for uh, the match with Tiger, Phil, and um, Brady and Peyton just for fun. But that those aren't like areas of expertise, right? So like I have no degree of, uh, seriousness to it. Like that's the definition of recreational gambling. Uh, I've been playing a lot more poker since this has started. Like that's kind of scratched my gambling itch. And I was in college when 
um, party poker and poker stars were blowing up and the online poker boom and, you know, Black Friday happened and all of that. So, like, it's actually been really fun for me to kind of get back into poker. I used to play a ton and I went to Syracuse and there was an 18 year old casino turning stone just 40 minutes away with a 30 card table uh, live poker room. So, like, that's kind of been where I've been scratching that recreational uh, gambling itch. But I also, since that's my belief on coronavirus, I haven't found myself interested in tying up any capital in long-term sports bets right now. Because if you make a bet on an NFL season win total right now and you put whatever it is, whatever you bet, 500 bucks, 200 bucks, 1,000 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever you bet, like they're going to have to do something if they don't play 16 games of an NFL season. And my guess is they're going to just refund all of that action. So like, why would I want to tie up all of that money right now. Um, so of course, when, when football and baseball, uh, and the NBA playoffs come back, like, of course I will be betting those games and those series, but I, I am a little less likely right now to make a serious investment in a season long, uh, over under win total than I normally would be, which are some of my favorite bets, because I'm just, I'm, I'm not convinced that we're getting 16 NFL games this year. That's an interesting, really interesting thought. What about like, um, some of these Madden simulation things. So, like, <laughs> Bet Online, right? Bet Online yeah. has odds. So, Bet Online is one of the sponsors of this show. They have odds for each game. They're doing Madden simulations every night this week. Tonight, like six o'clock, it's Patriots, Rams. Eight o'clock, Tom Brady and the Bucks against Steve's Las Vegas Raiders, and they have odds that you can bet on these games uh, you know i'm just curious your your opinion on betting on these on these bet online look i love bet online but in particular and people can try it out no matter what you say but have you done anything else on any of these madden simulations i i personally haven't um you know i love it like i i think that this is good i Here's the thing. I think it's a really tough time for sports gambling right now. This is a sports gambling podcast. Um, sports gambling went legal in Illinois right before March Madness. I partnered up with Rivers Casino to do the endorsements on the score for their sports book. And they were able to take like bets for days, not even weeks. And then it all closed down. But I think what's going to happen is this is going to be the proverbial like one step back for three steps forward type of situation because so many states are going through so many uh, economic hardships right now that states that were like on the fence or maybe 60, 40, no for legalizing sports gambling. Like when it comes back, they're going to be looking for that windfall and that revenue. So I think that 2021, 2022, 2023, are going to be massive sports gambling years. And so in terms of legalization, and it might even get to a place, uh, depending on how the election goes, when uh, we could see it even be federally uh, legal. So like I, I would be thinking about investing in, you know, like pen gaming stock or things like that. Like, so me personally, like that's where I've taken my investor brain a little bit more into like the like buy it and hold it, like sports gambling will come back as opposed to trying to, 
handicap Madden simulations like that. But that I don't I don't begrudge anybody for doing it. And I love the creativity and the ingenuity and esports is real and all of that stuff. Like it's just not my particular area of interest. But um, sports gambling is absolutely not going away. And I think it will come back bigger than it's ever been uh, within whatever like whenever this ends within like six to 18 months after that i think that's going to be i mentioned like the boom of online poker back when i was freshman sophomore in college i think that's actually going to be when the boom for sports gambling really takes off interesting now what about i know one thing you guys both wanted to talk about was home field advantage and steve i've let danny talk a bunch so i'll let you start with what you think, I guess in particular in football, but just in general, home field advantage is going to be worth, in particular in the NFL. Yeah, and before I get to that, I want to clarify a couple points. I don't understand the whole Madden simulation betting because, correct me if I'm wrong, whoever has Madden can just run this 50,000 times, so they already know what the predetermined correct answer is for what the spread should be. So how in the world can you beat something where someone already knows the answer, right, Ross? Amen. Yeah, I guess. I guess. So I could lay minus 101, and I couldn't beat them because they know the answer already. So I can't do that. I do want to say poker. Uh, I'm an avid poker player as well. And if you're a serious poker player and you study and you play against players that aren't very good, like they would be the case, pretty much I would imagine – in the entire state of Illinois, I'd be shocked if there were tough poker games. You will win. I guarantee you will win. If you don't win, you're not studying hard enough. It's just not that hard. If you're playing in Bobby's room in the Bellagio, okay. Now you're going to have to study a whole lot more. So just play against bad players. I guarantee if you study hard, play well, you will win. Let's get the home field advantage pretty much across the board. I'm going to assume about a one-and-a-half to a two-point home field advantage this year. And This assumes no fans in the stands, and so it's going to take away from the teams that historically have had really big home field advantages, mostly because of crowd noise. New Orleans, Minnesota, Seattle. I do think the one exception to the rule will be Green Bay. Green Bay has a very strange grass field that I believe is to their advantage, and their big home field advantage is not from the crowd noise, but rather from that field. Conversely, there's teams that have absolutely horrific home field advantages. Washington, Jacksonville, uh, obviously the Los Angeles Chargers. Those teams would greatly benefit from no fans. If you're a Chargers player, having an empty stadium would be a welcome sight versus all of the um, opposing fans taking over your stadium and you getting booed on your home stadium. So one and a half to two points for home field pretty much across the board with a few exceptions. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I also I why I'm just interested in it is like it'll show it'll go to show like how much crowd noise factors in to the strategy of things, right? Like I, I I'm thinking about the Superdome and New Orleans and this like epic noise and it's such a tough place to play and the Superdome in prime time and like everything that you say about it. Well, with no fans, in theory, it goes from the hardest place in the NFL to one of the best places in the NFL. Because you'd get teams that like, every team would prefer, right, in theory, to, to play in a dome, right? Like, so I'm, th- I'm, th- like, I'm thinking about week three. I'm thinking about 
you know, Packers at Saints. It, you know, you just had Fezzik mention the, the field at Lambeau. Well, now you get to play on a fast track if you want it. And the Packers don't have the greatest group of, of skill position guys. That's been well documented. But talk about like a difference in playing on that field at Lambeau and playing in a dome at the Superdome. And now not only do you get like the ideal conditions, but you get the removal of the crowd noise. And so Aaron Rodgers can do anything that he would normally be able to do at home or at practice at the line of scrimmage. Um, just what does that change? Like, I, I, you know, you talk to these to coaches or quarterbacks and they talk about like how much more difficult game planning is for road games with crowd noise and hand signals and check with me at the line and all of those things like that. That all goes out the window um, now that no one's going to be worried about how loud it's going to be in the stadium. Does, does that make it? I, I've got more questions about this than I do answers. I agree. Like instead of the standard three points, it, it gets tra- uh, tracked down one, one and a half two, something like that. But does this make it easier for young or rookie quarterbacks to be successful early? So like, I'm thinking of a guy like Kyler Murray or a guy like Drew Locke, like guys who normally would have like Drew Locke going into Arrowhead, right? That's a, that's a tough spot, but is it not, it's not going to be nearly as tough for him. So does that get overcorrected in the line movement? Um, Kyler Murray going to Seattle, but like things like that, where normally you'd say, oh man, that's a, that's a really tough spot for a young second year guy to, to go in and win. But now that that crowd noise has been removed, I wonder if people's biases will still be, oh, Kyler Murray in Seattle, he should be a significant underdog. Whereas now he's going to be able to do anything he wants in terms of running the same offense. And so I don't exactly know, but I feel like after the first couple of weeks of it, we'll be able to get a pretty good uh, grasp on how different it is for offensive play calling. The irony is Drew Locke had to go to Arrowhead last year and a uh, snowstorm hit. So it wasn't the crowd, but it was the conditions that absolutely destroyed him. Um, I do think, obviously, you're familiar with your own sight lines. That's an advantage still. Um, so playing in your own stadium, you get to, you've got the familiarity. I don't know if these home teams are going to be staying in their home hotel or whether they actually might, the players might actually stay at home this year. Nevertheless, it's an advantage versus the road team having to do the travel. So there's still elements of the home field that will be there. But it's a great point that you would certainly expect quarterbacks that tend to get rattled, uh, and that usually means younger quarterbacks. It's difficult with that crowd noise, so it probably will be a more of a benefit to the inexperienced quarterbacks. And one last thing that I wanted to get from you, Danny, is about the Bears. I mean, you, you cover this team as closely as anybody you're there, you know, what, what's your read? Cause I know like our buddy, Nick Costos likes the bears. He certainly likes them more than I think that Steve Fezzik and I do. What's your read on your bears? Well, I think there's been a bit of an overreaction to some things like the bears two years ago were number one DVOA defense. And last year, Akeem Hicks was hurt for an extended period of time. Danny Trevathan was hurt for an extended period of time. Roquan Smith missed some time and had an up-and-down rookie campaign. And they had terrible turnover luck. And they finished the year seventh in DVOA defense. This year, they upgrade from Leonard Floyd to Robert Quinn. And Akeem Hicks is healthy. 
and Trevathan and Roquan are healthy. So I think outside of San Francisco, they have the best front seven in the NFL, right? I mean, give me a better front seven than Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. Like, I don't – maybe you have one, but I, I think it's San Francisco and then the Bears. And so if you're going to be a top five defense, which I think is – I'm not saying the best, but if they were top seven with all that bad luck and bad injuries and they were number one with uh, great injury luck, great turnover luck two years ago, let, let's call them a top five defense – and then you just get better than Mitch Trubisky quarterback play. Like, I'm not asking for great quarterback play. We all know what Nick Foles is, but he's he's better than Mitch. He knows the offense better than Mitch. I think he's going to be the starter week one because Matt Nagy has taken control of this offense. He got rid of Harry Heastands, the longtime Bears offensive line coach, who's a legend around here, two stints with the Bears at Notre Dame, brought in Juan Castillo from Philadelphia, who Matt Nagy knows. He knew Nick Foles from Kansas City. He brought in Demetrius Harris from Kansas City. He brought in John Filippo from Philadelphia, who he knew in Philly and who worked with Nick Foles in Philly. Like, he's he's familiarizing himself. Like, he's bringing in his guys. And so Nick Foles is his guy. He inherited Mitch Trubisky. So as long as the offense is better and the defense should be better than last year pretty plainly, this year that everybody talked about being a disaster, it was a disaster because it was aesthetically ugly and they were coming off a 12-win season and there were Super Bowl expectations. But it wasn't a disaster in terms of the results. They won eight games. So now with the over-under, like their win total coming down from to, to eight and a half or eight, and their defense should be great, their offense should be better. On paper, the schedule isn't as tough, especially early, that should allow them to get off to a nice start at Detroit, home against the Giants, at Atlanta, home against the Colts, short week at home against Tampa, Thursday night at Carolina, maybe the worst team in the NFL. Feels like four and two is a very reasonable expectation to start the season, if not maybe five and one. I I love their over, and I and I see USA Today say three and thirteen. I say my guy Matt, uh, see my guy Matt Miller at Bleacher Report do a power rankings and then have him as the 31st best team in the NFL. Like that, that's just such an overreaction to a fairly pedestrian offseason because of salary cap constraints. Like this is still a really good team. And I, I don't know about you guys, but like I believe if you have a top five defense, it's really hard to be six wins or worse in the NFL. Like you're going to just be in damn near every game. So, I lean over, but I think where the the value actually is is if you can get better, you can get better than three to one uh, for the NFC North. Like it's just so jumbled up. Packers dysfunction didn't add much this offseason. Uh, Vikings seem to be static. Lions of the Lions. I I think there's value in the Bears in the NFC North, and I, I also lean over for them. And that, that's not a homer pick. I'll, I'll pick under and bet against the Bears multiple times during the season. Um, I'm not, I'm not a homer with them like that. I just follow them closely. So I, I just think there's been a little bit of an overreaction in the market to their off season. Well, we're going to have to completely disagree on our bears. Cause I did go to school in Chicago. So bears nice. would be one of my teams. I got to come back to three games last year. I think you make great points about the bears being slightly improved from last year. Obviously Foles is an upgrade over Trubisky. At least it's obvious to me, but here's the problem. The bears didn't go eight and eight last year. 
The Bears went 6-10. and 10. Let me make my case. Bears had three games, two against Detroit and one against Minnesota, that don't count like normal games because they played the Lions twice in the second half of the season, and Driscoll started and Blau started, the much-despised Blau. If you go back and watch those games, you'll see the Bears were awful. The Bears barely beat those backup quarterbacks on a bad Detroit team that did not win a game in the, with, with those quarterbacks all year long. And then Week 17, the Vikings gift-wrapped it a win when they – rested all their starters, and Mannion started, and the Bears won, I think, by two points. So in those three games, I'm going to be generous, and I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? If um, Stafford was starting and if um, Cousins was starting, I'll give the Bears a w- one win. The Bears are a 6-10 and 10 team last year, and that's why the wise guys hate the Bears and they're playing them under because they know that that 8-8 eight and eight has a complete asterisk by it. Bears stunk last year. Yeah, they'll be a little bit better this year, and so they'll be a little bit, bit of a better team, but they'll have a worse record, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and that's, that's reasonable. I just feel like when we start doing that and going you know, week by week, game by game, and picking out, you know, they beat the Cowboys last year. People have the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender uh, this year. Like you could, you could go through and you could pick situations for each spot. And I hear what you're saying. Like we're the, the the joke around here is that Mitch Trubisky is going to start Week One because the only team he can beat is Detroit, and then they're going to go to Nick Foles, right? He had that 340 yard game against them in the the second game against the Lions last year. So it's absolutely true that they did not beat a bunch of playoff quarterbacks and a bunch of playoff teams last year, but they also were a 12 win team the year before it's, it is 20 wins in two years. And what isn't there to like about the defense? So you could say they lost Prince of Mukamara. And so they're inexperienced at you know, number two and number three corner, which is totally valid, but that defense is real. And there aren't many real defenses in the NFL. And I just think when Akeem Hicks was there uh, in 2018, Khalil Mack was a top three defensive player in football. And last year, his production plummeted because he had absolutely no help. And teams were just running away from him, rolling away from him, uh, snap throw, you know, one, two, three step drops just doing everything they could to neutralize Khalil Mack. And so then no pass rush leads to no turnovers, no help on the other side leads to no production from Khalil Mack. And it was just this, this spiral effect. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling you that the bears are world beaters, but um, I don't think that there's many defenses in the NFL better than them. And it's like that, that's what I'd hang my hat on. I love what is interesting. What is interesting, Danny, is you, you referenced the 12 and four from two years ago, but you following the bears, you know, what an aberration that is with the total cupcake schedule. Nobody got hurt and they were like plus 20 in turnover. So everything went right. That was a nine and seven team. So the bears in my eyes, what were the record two years ago? They went nine and seven last year. They went, uh, uh, six and 10. That's (laughs) my valuations. And that's why I'm so soured on the bears. Wow. Wow. So I, I also will say I am a believer in Matt Nagy. Um, more so than the market seems to be and more so than most Bears fans seem to be. I, I've i seen this system take a team that had no touchdown passes in a season uh, to a wide receiver, which is what happened in Kansas City, to Alex Smith playing in the system, taking over that team that season. Four years later, he's number one in the NFL in passer rating on deep balls. Alex Smith. Like, check down Charlie, that guy. 
We saw it with Nick Foles in the playoffs with Doug Peterson. We saw it with Carson Wentz before he got hurt when he was about to be an MVP. Um, this, obviously, we saw what, what Pat Mahomes could do when you actually put an elite talent into the system. Uh, this offense works if it's run right. It is sophisticated. It's complicated. And Mitch Trubisky was not able to handle it. So Matt Nagy had to dumb it down. And if they were playing the Lions one week and the Vikings the next week, it was not an entirely new game plan week by week where it was team specific, where it was like, OK, we can this week we're going to be able to target the middle linebacker. And this week we're going to target the nickel corner and we're going to completely scrap the game plan because we want to put in 70 plays for this Vikings game. And then we want to put in 60 new plays for the for the week against the Lions. Like Mitch Trubisky was just mentally not able to handle it. Period. Full stop. And I believe Nick Foles will. So I think that Matt Nagy was coaching uh, with his hands tied the last couple of years offensively. I'm not sitting here saying this is going to be a top 10 offense with Nick Foles. Far from it. But I do think that Matt Nagy will be able to finally maximize whatever this offense can be simply by having a guy who knows his offense. Well, we're not going to be able to decide it here today. But I'll tell you what, after Costos couple weeks ago, and you, Danny, now the Bears become one of the teams we are going to have on our radar this season to see who's right and who is wrong. Danny, thanks so much for coming on the show. Again, you can check him out in the afternoons on 670 The Score in Chicago. You can check him out on Twitter like I don't, at Danny Parkin on Twitter. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, Fezzik. Appreciate you guys having me on. And by the way, I I hope I'm wrong and we get uninterrupted sports uh, for the rest of time. Obviously, it's not what I'm rooting for. It's just what I'm fearing. No, we hey, we appreciate the honesty. That's why we had you on. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for today's Even Money podcast. Send in those emails if you want to get your questions asked and answered by Steve and whoever our guest may be over the coming weeks before we've got more and more sports coming back. Twitter and Facebook, you can follow us at Ross Tucker NFL, at RTF Podcast. Love, love, love those of you that download us multiple times on multiple devices when you're bored. I mentioned earlier how much it means when you guys rate and review the show. You can just rate and review it. Send the screenshot to me, Ross, at RossTucker.com, and ask Steve any question you'd like. I think we're done here. Good luck, everybody. Hope you win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.